Welcome to the African Tech Roundup. This is episode 29 for the week ending Monday, November 2nd. My name's Andy Lemasugu. And I'm Defa Mohapi. And as always, we are here to round up the week's most important technology, digital, and innovation news from across Africa. The festive season is truly around the corner, Defo. Yeah, definitely. Um, some people have prematurely put up Christmas decorations already. Hey, and the promotions are running hot in the malls, all over radio, <laughs> certainly on the internet. Definitely. And even Peter last week greeted people festive greetings. Yeah, that's because the phantom has disappeared. Don't expect to see any more of Peter or hear of anything he's doing. Just know that the wheels are turning in the background. Yep, definitely. <laughs> but of course, look, before we hit the holidays, we're excited about something that will be happening on Thursday, the 26th of November. What can we tell people, Dev? Yeah, it's going to be a great event. It will be in Johannesburg, fortunately or unfortunately, if you're from other parts of the continent listening to us. It will be a great event where we'll have all sorts of panelists telling us about the trends they've seen throughout the year in tech in Africa specifically. It'll be a roundup of the year we've had in tech. Definitely. Hence, it's called the annual roundup. Ah, well, that's something to look forward to. Unfortunately, to my people in Arare, my trip to Arare has been cancelled due to a family emergency. And I'm sorry to, to disappoint uh, those who are looking forward to hanging out. Uh, I certainly was looking forward to speaking uh, at the U.S. Embassy uh, event, Food for Thought. Unfortunately, that'll have to wait. Hopefully, happen another time. Hang in there, folks. I am coming home for the holidays, but for barely any time at all. So at least I'll touch the ground of my of my of my beloved Zimbabwe at some point. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, and listen, if you're joining us for the first time, head straight to africantechroundup.com uh, to catch up on what you've been missing. And while you're there, sign up for our weekly newsletter. We put it out every Monday. And it's a great way to get the podcast sent straight to your inbox. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Our handle on both social networks is at African Roundup. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash African Tech Roundup. Give us a shout. Let us know. Let's chat. What's up? This week's African Tech Roundup is brought to you by Imagination Info Solutions. Now, Imagination is an information management and consulting company that helps businesses create reports that are meaningful and insightful. Reports that actually assist business people make good, solid, data-driven decisions that impact the bottom line. Here's Richard Bazadenhout, MD of Imagination Info Solutions, on how he and his team helped an established logistics business overcome a debilitating challenge. Traco Limited had a problem with diesel theft and determining the true fuel consumption of their trucks. Any additional costs, including and especially fuel costs, had a significant impact to the profitability of their business. We built an Excel workbook that had all the key elements of information to measure a journey. With these variables, we were able to calculate the cost of fuel and just how much fuel should be used for a journey within a 10 to 50 litre margin. Tricon is now able to manage the cost of each trip with ease and greater success. An added advantage is the ability to provide accurate cost estimates to customers in just a few simple clicks in a clean, simple-to-use interface, and it's all done using Excel. Visit imagination.co.za to find out what Richard and his team can do for your business 
and discover why clients are raving about their information management solutions. Now, in terms of the discussion we'll be having a little later on in the show, uh, well, therefore, our content producer Peter and I debated at length and couldn't agree on what to chat about today. There's different topics that we felt we should talk about that were in the news, and I feel strongly about the one that we should talk about. But anyway, we'll chat about this later. Yes, yeah, so we've decided to let you into our dignified little uh, disagreement uh, <laughs> in what we're calling... The Battle of the Topics. That's all later on. But first, a quick reminder that this Wednesday, November 4th, we kick off a brand new five-week season of African Tech Conversations with a chat I had with Brandon Becker, who is Managing Director for Africa and the Middle East at email security firm Mimecast. Here's Brandon in our listener comment segment this week telling me about one of the most devastating setbacks of his career. We've had lots of disappointments along the way and, and lots of times where we've, we've put in masses of amounts of effort only to be really disappointed. But one particular incident I do recall, which does have a happy ending, we signed up a very large financial services organization and uh, we were very chuffed and uh, broadcast the fact to, to, to everybody uh, that wanted to listen. And during the implementation phase, things went a little bit wrong and they ended up um, cancelling uh, the service with us. And that was a big pull to swallow because that was a transformational opportunity and deal for us. It was really, really disappointing. And I just remember being really down about that. Having said that, some... Six or so years later, we re-signed them up. They gave us another bite of the cherry and suffice to say, I'm very happy to say that they're very happy customers today. If you'd like us to include your audio comment on any of the topics we've covered in past episodes or this episode, you can email us using hello at africantechroundup.com or give us a shout on facebook.com forward slash African Tech Roundup or hit us up on Twitter using the handle at African Roundup or you can comment on our website africantechroundup.com and our team will get right back to you. That's right. So spoiled for choice. Our listeners are so spoiled for choice. Look forward to hearing from you. But now, on to the news. Now, it's been a nightmare week for MTN Nigeria and a disastrous week for the MTN group overall. Uh, first, there's that small matter of the 5.2 billion US dollar fine imposed on MTN Nigeria by the Nigerian Communications Commission. Then allegations of highly sophisticated tax evasion started to surface this week as well. And now the Johannesburg Stock Exchange announcing uh, at the end of last week that they'll be investigating this company. Yeah, they're in trouble this week. No, they are. But and I've also quite interestingly heard and read some uh, experts in the tech sector, media, etc., saying that Nigeria is too harsh or this will taint their investor relations, etc., etc. But I'm saying, hold on, hold on. About two or three months ago, the Nigerian Communications uh, Commission came up with regulations stating that for intelligence and security reasons, all SIM cards need to be registered with uh, user information so you you need to tell them who you are where you live etc etc and there was a penalty two three months ago which they announced that if any sim card is not registered it's either the mobile service provider needs to disconnect it failing which they will be fined and i quote 200,000 naira per pre-registered sim card a pre-registered sim card is one that uh, once you buy the sim card it's automatically at- activated on the network without the user registering their information. So they were saying the Nigerian Communications Authority was commission, apologies, was saying that if the SIM card is not registered with user data, it should be cut off. Mobile service providers two months ago were warned, 
will pay 200,000 naira per pre-registered SIM card, which is about approximately 1,000 US dollars. And the thing about this is, this is not something that was unique to MTN. All mobile operators were, were warned uh, equally and told and given the same due date. Uh, for whatever reason, MTN didn't uh, shuffle along and get it done. And now they're being fined. Their group CEO is, uh, word is at least, the group CEO is in Nigeria trying to put out fires. It seems, though, that the, the, the NCC is standing firm. South African companies seem to be in a position to be milked as far as some people are concerned. I don't agree. I, I think, I mean, according to Nigerian law, which the, the Nigerian Communications Commission reiterated, pre-registered SIMs are illegal in Nigeria. This was decided after they consulted with uh, national security agencies in Nigeria and to impose this approximate US dollar per pre-registered SIM card fine because they pose a national security threat. So I don't think it's them milking South African businesses, but more South African businesses having a disregard for Nigerian laws. And once you calculate, you realize that MTN Nigeria had approximately 5 million pre-registered SIM cards, which means that this was a total disregard of the NCC. This was a total, in my opinion, total disregard of uh, the regulations of the NCC, and I think they deserve the fine. But having said that, I don't think they'll end up paying the full 5.2 billion fine. Well, it's a little too late for their share price, which has dipped something like 18% over the week. Yep, definitely. Nigeria is, in fact, the MTN Group's largest and most lucrative, most profitable market. I mentioned earlier about Standard Bank, who are you know, under the spotlight for a whole different reason. Uh, that is Stanbic IBTC, the Nigerian subsidiary of South Africa's uh, Standard Bank. Uh, they've been ordered to withdraw and restate their 2013 and 2014 financial statements uh, amid suspicion of accounting irregularities and poor disclosures. Yeah, and I mean, also in MTN Ghana, MTN Nigeria, Area and across different countries on the continent, MTN has been accused of very clever tax avoidance in terms of transfer pricing, where it seems the bulk of their profits and monies are paid to places like MTN Dubai, where MTN don't operate any mobile phones. And uh, MTN Mauritius, uh, that beautiful island and tax haven. Yeah, both Dubai and Mauritius are tax havens, so they're paying a lot of fees to both countries, and they're claiming it's for operational costs. And I say claim intentionally because they don't operate any cell phones there. A very rough week for MTN. Now, moving on, though, there's no doubt it's been an awful year for video-on-demand service providers on the continent. The latest casualty is MultiChoice's Africa Magic Go streaming service, which targets Africans living abroad. Now, they're set to shut down at the end of November 2015. Yeah, I don't think this is a big issue. I, I think this is Naspers owned. Naspers just launched Showmax. So I think this is more realignment of the product or services, VOD product services within Naspers. They did mention in the statement that they're preparing to launch something bigger and better. So I think we might see a Showmax Africa or Showmax Go or something like that. Now you can't compare Naspers owned Africa Go or Showmax with something like an Iroko TV. I mean, Naspers have very deep pockets. And VOD, given what's been happening throughout the year and over the past one or two years, seems to be at a stage where not anyone's making profits on the continent. I'm not talking about Netflix here, on the continent. So they're not making any profits and they're just all just everybody's just trying to grab the market share so that by the time that there's enough customers, they'll be making profits and have a good size of the market. But even a firm like Netflix not performing as well in profit terms as, say, HBO, for example. 
Yeah, as I said, it's still early days for VOD. Uh, as much as it's been around for a while, but it's still early days. All the companies, are, all they're doing is just trying to grab market share so that once a critical amount of people are onto the services, they've got those customers. Now, some good news from Nigeria now, as the country is one step closer to meeting its 2017 analog to digital migration deadline. Uh, what with the signing of a memorandum of understanding between Media Concepts International and a South Korean firm, KAON, uh, for the establishment of a set-box manufacturing plant in Nigeria. This is good news because they said that it's expected to attract jobs of over a thousand people. Did they really need to partner with a South Korean firm? Couldn't any Aliko Dangote or somebody have set up the plant themselves? Simple answer to that question, Tefo, no. Why? Highly politicized, highly technical projects of this nature just don't get executed to the level they ought to in the timelines they ought to when governments try and keep it in-house. Fair enough, but I think we should start to look at, especially around the technology sector, we can't have the same thing that's happened in the natural resources sector where natural resources get mined and get refined overseas and sold back to us. The comment I made just now, I mean, I say with a heavy heart, the, the truth of the matter is we really should be getting our act together and doing these things in-house. I do think, though, that uh, KAON has been picked because of their track record in other countries like South Africa where they've started manufacturing set-top boxes there. Their key partner in places like Kenya and Senegal uh, around migration issues. Uh, they've promised to bring some jobs uh, to the country. It's hard to fault this particular partnership, but we certainly should be striving to do it all ourselves. No, definitely. I agree. Well, to Kenya now, where the country is taking stock of the impact of cybercrime on the economy. It's certainly been a horrendous year for cybercrime, or a good year, depending which side you are <laughs> on in terms of these kind of things. But in any case, uh, the 2015 cybersecurity report released by Serianu Limited in association with PKF Consulting and the United States International University, Africa, estimates that Kenya has lost 15 billion shillings or just shy of 148,000 US dollars from cyber attacks so far this year, with the public and financial services sectors suffering the most. More interesting is that the countries that were topping, well, like the, where the attacks were coming from this year, were China and the US, and even Kenya features among the top three, if I'm not wrong, compared to last year where it was mostly Germany and Kenya. And also further interesting is that most attacks are orchestrated or started internally by staff in those financial services companies and public sector organizations. As far back as 2012, China has continued to feature in the top five and seems content to keep their spot. Look out, everyone. The hackers are here. Though it's worrying, but I wouldn't say at 148,000 US dollars, I wouldn't say it's a huge issue yet for for Kenya, but they definitely should start checking up their act in terms of protecting against cybercrime. Finally, some startup news that caught our attention this week. If you're looking for a way to secure your laptop in case of theft, a Nairobi-based startup, NerdCorp, uh, reckons their Matrix Black Box laptop tracking device will help you do just that. The device was built by a guy called Kevin Moriti from Kenya after three lost laptops or rather stolen laptops. It's like enough already. Nah, he was like, enough already, I'm going to build this device. It's got two modes, the way I understand it. So you've got the GPS mode, where you can track, you can SMS your, your laptop. So it has a SIM, this device like has a SIM card, so you can SMS your laptop and it will SMS back a link to Google Maps giving you the location of the laptop. The other mode is Wi-Fi based mode, so it will tell you how far f from your normal Wi-Fi network it is, so that you know whether it's still in the building, etc. 
My thing is there are probably only so many places in your laptop you can put this thing. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, we've seen it with cars. Cars have tracking devices. Even though when they are installed, the owner doesn't know where it's installed, but thieves somehow know where these these tracking devices are installed. And the laptop is less complex than a car, so they should find it quicker. And also the the support for these the installation of these things is, is a crucial issue because the security around that. <laughs> I mean, if you've got a, a whole army of installation experts doing this thing for you who are basically leaking information about which laptops have them and which don't and where they are, it's pretty pointless, isn't it? It is. Uh, we're not knocking it, Mr. Moriti, but good effort. But uh, I think it, I'd, I'd need to see a bit of it and work with it to see if it really is worthwhile. Look, I mean, t- to be totally fair, I mean, I, it's, it's spot on in the sense that uh, this, this development comes in the wake of Kenya looking to roll out something like 1.2 million laptops to primary schools across the country. There's no doubt that they, they pose a, there's a huge security risk in these devices making their way onto the black market via snatch and grab and such unfortunate incidents. So this should go to preventing things like that. Yeah, but it also what worries me also in terms technically is that it's got its own battery, this device, as small and flat as it's claimed to be. But in case it f- goes a little bit flat, apparently it uses the laptop's battery charger as backup power supply. But most laptops, apart from your MacBooks, you can swipe the battery out and there's no power. Great initiative. We thought that was one that stood out. Uh, to Nigeria now, where a recruitment startup, Push CV, is innovating the way uh, companies seek out suitable hires for their organizations. I'm not so sure this is as huge an innovation as the you know the press release suggests, but an, an innovation nonetheless. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. I mean, I'm thinking they're targeting this at corporates. How many corporates will assign a person to SMS to hire a person? So SMS is the innovation where it's it's basically what uh, you you're. Company X looking to recruit uh, talent Y, and you submit this this need via SMS uh, to to push CV, and within three to five days they send you a person. I might be sounding negative over these startup news, but few issues here. One, it's targeted at corporates. Typically, I don't think a corporate would be looking regularly for people in a three to five day sh- that short notice type of unless they've got a contract with you, like a services contract. So they might be looking for engineers, but they've already got an SLA with you, a contract with you that enables them to do that within a specific, you know, a short time. But I don't see corporates, MTN Nigeria, for instance, if they recover from all this. SMSing or saying HR director must be assigned to SMS to push CV to hire people who should be at the office within three to five days. Maybe startups, but not corporate. I can see this being useful for you know hiring lower level staff and that kind of thing. I do think that their play is to ultimately disrupt the traditional recruitment business, which, like you say, is based on relationship, based on contract and and, and relationships. And maybe they are looking for those kind of relationships over time where they have the trust and mandate of corporates like MTN Nigeria or, you know, whoever else. Uh, and, And then based on an SMS, they sort of deliver services in a much more seamless way. I still don't see that happening. I'll speak from a tech IT point of view. If you're going to hire people on a project, they need to, the company at least, needs to already have some knowledge of what's happening on the project, especially if you need them within three to five days. You don't have time for them to adjust themselves, learn about the project. So you're most likely going to give it to a company that's already there. So again, I don't see this as a play. 
I don't hold all the answers. I could be wrong. Good luck with the innovation. And of course, if any of you have used it, made use of it, if there's any corporate clients who have who have taken Push CV up on this offer, please let us know how it's going. Or if there's something about it we don't understand, give us a shout, Push CV. Finally, staying with Nigeria, uh, Marek Zmislowski, and I don't know if I've ever said his name right, he's leaving Jovago, where it is. Marek Zmislowski, that's the dude. He is and has confirmed he is leaving Jovago, and he's being replaced by Kushal Duta, who is ex-head of revenue management at Jovago. The good news is that he plans to stay in Nigeria, and I say good news because we like the guy. I mean, he's really interesting. He's a lot of fun. His view on things, often very direct and very candid, is much appreciated by people like me. Word is he'll be sticking around to sort of uh, sit on boards and continue to advise teams that are running various startups he's invested in. Um, yeah, so it should be good. I have a feeling he's not about to, to stop sharing on social media, so <laughs> he's one to follow still, I think. Definitely. I don't think he'll be resting. I mean, the dude is young. Uh, he's an investor in Simple Pay, talking books and eChurch.ng. So it's either he's probably going to take up an executive position at one of those uh, startups he invests in, or he's going to start another startup in Nigeria, or he's going to help someone start a startup in Nigeria. But I don't see him traveling the world and playing golf and... Yeah, it's too young. Listen, as soon as we know exactly what he'll be doing, trust me, you'll be the first to know. Now, it's time for our discussion, or should I say... What discussion? <laughs> Dude. <laughs> or should I say, the battle of the topics. <laughs> Therefore, I will give you the honor of pitching yours first. I'm not pitching. This is the discussion. This is what's been happening this week, guys. And I'm sure our listeners will agree. MTN is the biggest story. In terms of uh, the $5.2 billion fine, in terms of the tax evasion, ongoing tax evasion investigations, not only MTN, but also just telcos in general on the continent. I mean, there's been Vodacom this week in South Africa. Vodacom South Africa announced and made statements that it's going to ask uh, WhatsApp to start covering some of their network charges because of WhatsApp voice calling. Something that's similar to what uh, MTN South Africa did. Vodacom also has been struggling to get um, PESA in South Africa off the ground. And Strive Masiiwa has been complaining about Econet Zimbabwe struggling with uh, dropping voice revenues in Nigeria. They're struggling with a different climate of doing business and that's costing them a lot of business. And there's all sorts of telcos around the continent that are just struggling once they move out of their own countries or when they try to introduce services from outside their countries into their countries because of regulations. So your story is, it's the mobile networks versus regulation. More complex. Mobile networks versus regulation versus country policies. Totally agree. The biggest news story of the week, MTN Nigeria and a spotlight on mobile networks in general. But I do think that the question we should be asking in the light of everything we've seen happen this week and in the light of everything we've seen this year in terms of just how far technology has come, will companies like MTN exist in the year 2080? And what are they doing to ensure that they do and don't end up the Kodak uh, of, of our generation. Come on, these guys are like pipes to a water system. They'll still be there. They are the ones enabling everything, us being on the podcast. Okay, not everything. Obviously, you st in South Africa, you still have Telcom and Neotel and the cables in the ground. But a big part of Africa's internet access is via mobile service providers. W what about the free Wi-Fi trend? Uh, what about uh, Facebook putting uh, drones in the sky and, and Google flying balloons and places that... 
uh, MTN and other networks have failed to sort of bring online, getting access to the internet for the first time using wireless infrastructure that they are not invested in. And what about uh, companies like MTN and Vodacom and, and Safaricom who seem to be content to sit back and monetize, uh, basically milk the life out of legacy infrastructure they have instead of thinking innovatively about what the future is going to look like in the year, say, 2080 or 2095. I don't see Facebook or Google drones or whatever getting past NCC or ICASA. Do you? Perhaps. Right now it is expedient for regulators to back the likes of the telcos and the mobile operators because that is what is politically expedient. That is certainly what is financially viable and profitable uh, for their interests. I'm imagining a time, and you need to join me here, uh, therefore. Imagine a time when the political will backs the likes of free Wi-Fi everywhere. At whose cost? That's the thing. The entire models could change. The entire way we monetize audiences and, and users of the internet and users of, of wireless infrastructure might just change. And I don't know that mobile operators are thinking deeply enough about these issues. I think they're just trying to figure out how to turn millions of subscribers who, ho who have mobile phones into profitable customers. And they're not thinking about the day mobile phones might not even exist. I see what you did there. We're now talking about your topic. Back to what I was talking about. <laughs> I told you we'd make it about me. See, I don't know who's winning this battle, folks, but I have a feeling I am. Look, I mean, I think it's, it's actually the same topic in a sense. Because you, you, argue, you argue, if I'm correct, and correct me if I'm wrong, you're arguing that regulation is, is hindering innovation in many respects. You get very innovative thinking, entrepreneurial types like Nteto Nyati, for example, at MTN South Africa, who I had the privilege of, of interviewing. Very entrepreneurial, did a lot of great work at Microsoft South Africa in turning it around. Comes in at MTN, obviously has a lot of entrepreneurial ideas to stretch what it means to do business for a, a company like MTN with a, with a legacy business that I'm sure many shareholders are just happy to see tick along. And at every turn, he either sees challenges in, in government policies as they try and expand into businesses like mobile money, for example, or video on demand or content and that kind of stuff. And it's not as easy as it seems, I guess. Regulation is one. As you mentioned, mobile money, you need a banking license in South Africa. In Kenya, you don't. Hence, Safaricom was successful there. So for the user, there's less friction in terms of using mobile money. Whereas in South Africa, it becomes a banking place. So it really defeats the purpose. The other thing, I think, I'm going back to my topic here by force. <laughs> the other thing is uh, the different cultures in terms of business, not just culture in general, of doing business in different countries. Uh, I think Strive experienced it a bit in Nigeria. And MTN Group, which is South African, seems to be clashing with uh, Nigeria in terms of how MTN... Bis I, I can't imagine that MTN Group or MTN Nigeria missed 5 million pre-registered uh, SIM cards. Clearly, those must have showed up on a dashboard somewhere that these are pre-registered and we need to. To me, it sounds like just a total disregard and a culture of doing business in a way. So I think those issues do prevent innovation and... Maybe the answer is deregulation and free for all. Look, I do remember, though, um, asking Teto a, a, a very pointed question about his take on how MTN should respond to this free Wi-Fi trend. And I didn't quite get a straight answer, which worried me because I had the sense that, and I think he, he alluded to it in his response, he alluded to the fact that they have a model. They have a, an existing 
book of business. It's in part his responsibility to extract as much value from, from that client base and certainly maximize the infrastructure they've invested in. I, I just sense that being in that position can be a disadvantage in a sense because it, it might not give you enough incentive to think the way you ought to in order for you to be here in another 50, 80, 100 years. Well, I don't think there's a incentive for them to innovate like crazy, like you say. I mean, they've got the customers, might as well as milk them and extract, which is what it seems to be, extract as much profit out of their current model as possible. And hopefully they stash that cash away like Apple in case they need to make acquisitions, innovation acquisition plays. And now, I mean, people speculating that the Nigerian government is taking full advantage of this MTN situation to get their hands on much-needed cash to to basically make up for a huge deficit, some pointing to the, the dip in oil prices as putting the government under pressure. Again, regulation could be an issue there, but isn't MTN exposed because of having a model that leaves them so exposed to, to government involvement? I'm just thinking of things like WhatsApp, for example, that don't have to speak to anybody to do what it is they do. Well, WhatsApp wouldn't exist if MTN didn't exist in various countries. How are you going to speak over WhatsApp? What about a world where Wi-Fi is just happening with no mobile networks, no mobile phones, but Wi-Fi everywhere? At whose expense, I ask? I don't know if you can pick a winner from this, <laughs> from this battle of the topics, guys, but... What about Peter's discussion? I don't remember what Peter wanted us to talk about. He doesn't count because he's the phantom and he's not... <laughs> he clearly does not want to appear again anytime this year. So, Peter, shout out to you, bruh. <laughs> but it's definitely not here this week. And, of course, what do you make of the troubles, the woes that MTN Nigeria and the MTN group in general are going through on the continent? Is it a regulatory issue? Is the challenge of doing business across several different countries and various cultures and political interests and regulations, is that what is that what is making business so difficult to do? Is innovation being hampered by all the regulatory framework uh, differences across the continent? Or do you think there's just a lack of innovation and an entrepreneurial insight that some of these incumbents might lack and uh, might need to find really quickly if they want to be around in another 50 to 80 years? You let us know what you think. Give us a shout. You know how to do it. On Twitter and on Instagram, we are at African Roundup. Send us an email, hello at africantechroundup.com or head on straight to our website where you can leave a comment and our team will be on it like white on rice. And once again, this week's African Tech Roundup is brought to you by Imagination Info Solutions. They help businesses create reports that are meaningful and insightful. Reports that actually assist business people make good, solid, data-driven decisions that impact the bottom line. To find out what Imagination can do for your business, visit imagination.co.za. That's e-imagination.co.za. And discover why clients are raving about their information management solutions. Well, folks, that's it for the week. Been a blast hanging out. The name's Andile Masugo. And mine is Tefo Mohabi. I win. I won. Vini, vidi, visi. <laughs> Cheers, everybody. <laughs>